This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Lobe Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. What a good shot! There's only one way you can get fit is to run, and uh, most days we go out here and we run to start with, and then uh, then we play with the ball. Far post for Shearer, goal! Yes! Wonderful goal all the way from the moment that hasn't picked him up. Kelly is only a couple of yards away. Digby manages to push it one-handed onto the bar. Crosses to the left and right-hand side. Here's McLaughlin. McLaughlin to try a shot. It's off Gary Bennett, and that is the opening goal. Well, that's really fired up the home crowd now, and Swindon buzzing here. And Vickers, again, rather uncertain with that cross, and the shot almost comes to Mitchell. It's another goal! Two goals in less than a minute for Swindon. Picked up by Ling. They've got four players forward here, Swindon. Ling going alone for the moment and turns it to Moncair. It's a goal. Swindon have scored. Well played. Hobble. Moncair plays it back in again and no offside. And Taylor has scored. And that surely means it's the Premier League for Swindon Town. The top. Trying to turn his man. Oh, what a goal! A fantastic goal by Jan Piotrov. Parking! 1 0 Swindon Town. Thoroughly deserved opening goal. Terrific Ball. He's got Ward with him. Timing of the pass. 
controversial. A touch and shoot. Yes. You bet. You bet. 10 0 Swindon. Send me home. Every game. No problem. I will win this league anyway. Richard. He's hit it. And it's deflected. And Swindon Town have the lead. It's Cadwell. the box to Moncair. Good run by him and now Maskell. Amazing stuff. Hello and welcome to the Low Strangers podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Thanks, as always, for listening. This is the final episode of 2018, unless something crazy happens within the world of Swindon Town Football Club. My guest for this episode is Simon Ferry, who returns, having been a guest very early on. This is a Q&A episode, so all the questions that are posed were by you guys, the listeners, so a big thanks for that. The questions came from Craig from Coventry, Carol Yeo, Jason Costello, Joe Hilliard, Richard Scott, Stephen Phelps, Tom White, Kev, Nathan Philpot, Aaron O, Dean McMackin. Nick Judd, Ben Nichols, Gareth from London, D.V. Canio, Darren Dunn, Kieran Hart, Terry Townsend, Jacob Anfield, James Spencer, Dr. Pierre Chang, Wobbly Bob, and Bamboo No Shoe. Big thank you. Anyway, I hope you all have a great Christmas and New Year. It's time to sound the hooter for the Low Strangers podcast. Enjoy. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How is life back up in Scotland? Life's sweet, mate. Enjoying it. I've got the easiest life in the world just now. I only worked for about six hours a week, so uh, I'm loving the dream. 2018 has been a pretty busy year in the life and times of Simon Ferry. It's been the first full year of the Open Goal podcast, which includes, of course, Simon Ferry Meets, where you interview footballers with strong links to the Scottish game. I particularly enjoyed the episodes with Arthur Newman, Gordon Strachan, Massimo Donati, Kevin Kyle, Derek Reardon, and any episode that talks about Helicopter Sunday. I don't have a dog in that fight, but I love listening to the experiences from that day from both sides. It's also good that you've managed to get guys who are still playing in there, like Josh Windass and uh, Andy Robinson, Ryan McGowan and Lewis Malt. Last time we spoke, you mentioned that getting people on was a struggle. Is it getting easier? It is getting easier. Um, so we're stockpiled back to Ebony now, so um, we've just battered through them. The last couple of months has been brilliant. We've had people kind of come to us uh, asking to do one, so I think guys are seeing that it's getting quite a lot of views and if they want to get themselves out there, um, it's a good way to do it. So it's great for us and it's great that we get to help the guys as well. So it's um, it's going really well just now, uh, so hopefully it continues. Uh-huh. Who have been your favourite guests so far? So, similar like yourself, uh, Gordon Strachan, he was obviously my old manager. Um, I just remembered sitting there because obviously when I was younger I was a bit of a clown, so I just remember sitting thinking, every time I asked him a question, he's sitting there thinking, how has this guy got, how, is he, how have he got to this stage where he's sitting asking me questions about my career? I could just tell he was thinking that in every question he thought, you are so thick. <laughs> but um, he was a challenging one because, like I say, 
it's just the way he looks at you sometimes and you, you think, oh, he hates me. But um, Ali McCoy is brilliant. I mean, anyone could uh, interview Ali, Ali McCoy. He's a pure pro. But to be fair, my, my favourite was probably outside of football. It was Jim White, mm-hmm. uh, who does Sky Sports. I loved listening to his stories. You know, just a, a different side to football, one that I've not seen. So, And he was a top man. He couldn't have been any nicer, Jim. So he was uh, he was one that I really enjoyed. I liked his episode because he was talking about when he was doing stuff on Scottish TV in the 80s with bands and things like that, wasn't he? Uh, he was. He met, he's met David Bowie and Paul McCartney and yeah. stuff like that which is amazing do you know what I mean and, and that's what I say to him imagine meeting Paul McCartney and George Bowie and now you're sitting talking to this little fat idiot but that's how life turns out isn't it <laughs> <laughs> are there anybody uh, or was there anybody that you're hoping to speak to so Tommy Gravison obviously he was a, an absolute madman at Celtic when I was in loads of the guests have, have got stories about him which are brilliant so kind of in touch with a couple of guys that know Tommy now so hopefully getting closer to doing it and also obviously the Canio I've seen that he's uh, I think he's playing in a, a tournament in Sheffield in March mm-hmm. January February Mar- uh, March time so kind of trying to get in touch with his agent Phil Spencer and hopefully we can we can get him on and, and talk to him What are your future plans for life outside of football are you still doing your coaching at Celtic uh, could you see yourself being the, the David Prutton of punditry up in Scotland I know I've watched Prutts man he's, he's doing great isn't he but he uses such such big words I, I actually sometimes think what the fuck does that mean but anyway no fair play but he's always a clever guy Prutts so he looks at, makes it look a lot more easier than I do but um, I, I enjoy I, see as long as I'm involved in football I feel quite privileged you know what I mean you're getting paid today to either talk about football or coach football or, or play football so anything that involves that I'm, I'm more than happy to do it and are you still coaching at Celtic? Yeah, I'm still coaching the kids. Um, really good one. I break just now for Christmas, so uh, the kids are great. And just seeing kids learning every day and developing and trying to listen to you and you can see them getting better, it's uh, it's, it's really rewarding, you know. Okay. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a total Decanio coach, though, by them. Absolutely on them every minute. Their body language and everything. I've even started using a couple of phrases that he would use I find myself coming home and kind of sleep at night thinking I'm turning into Paolo Di Canio how are they finding that? Uh, probably the same as I found him they think I'm an absolute lunatic man <laughs> <laughs> let's go on to some uh, Swindon based questions or certainly yeah. the area anyway so is there anything you miss from your days living in Wiltshire? yes the bars no I'm kidding on but I did love the restaurant sorry I've just gotten for a tour training session I'm knackered so I'm just eating a a wee bagel there sorry so Swindon I had, we, me and my wife loved living in Swindon we even talk about it now when one of the very many nights that we're sitting drunk so we loved the Caribbean restaurant Craig Shand owned it got quite pally with Craig obviously Fratello's we loved uh, the Chinese what was it the, the, you ordered off the menu as much as you like Rendezvous mm-hmm. loved that we loved uh, Mackenzie's on a Sunday no sorry the old bank on a Sunday for our Sunday dinner so our social life had never been better in Swindon we used to eat out at least five times a week Um and now I need to endure my wife's cooking, which is absolutely terrible anyway. But we also loved um, the surrounding areas of Swindon. You know, Sirencester, we used to go to a lot. We used to go to Melksham a lot um, because the the charity shops in their places were unbelievable. It was obviously rich people who just gave their money to charity shops and we would go and steal it all. So stuff like even the, the pubs, I love the pubs. You know, the Roan Donkey or um, what was the one that Joe DeVere used to live behind? The Goddard's, places like that. So... We just and everyone was so nice to me and my wife. You know, we had our first kid in Swindon. Sorry, had it in Glasgow, but moved down to Swindon with him. And um, just even walking about Old Town, we'd go for walks all the time. And uh, the people there couldn't have been any nicer. So we still think our time there really, really fondly. You are very highly regarded by Swindon fans today. Did you ever consider yourself a fan's favourite at the time? 
Nah, not really. I mean, just through Twitter and stuff like that, I think quite a lot of the young kids who supported Swindon, well, young kids, I mean like 18, 19-year-olds, I think there was a wee following them that loved the, the stupid stuff that I used to write on Twitter, but other than that, not really. It, just, it wasn't really a fan's favourite. I just thought people treated me really nicely. Uh, I didn't think it was due to football. Football, I just thought it was because I'm quite sociable and used to chat to fans quite a lot, so I, I thought more just that for that reason, but... Um, that probably was the reason because I was fucking hopeless on the pitch, let's be honest. Just a bit of personality, maybe the, the light to I don't know. But at the time, no, nah, not really. I mean, me and my wife used to walk home for home games and would pass by uh, the pubs and that on the way up the road and we'd always get a wee chat with people. So I think that goes a long way with fans. You know, if you just take a bit of time out to speak to them and they really appreciate it, which I think is the bare minimum for, for footballers, you know. Who used to tell you off the most about your Twitter Paul activity? Paul Hart hated it, man. Paul Hart absolutely hated it. But I only kept going because I... Because he hated it, that's why I kept it going. It annoyed him. I think Nick Watkins pulled us a couple of times, and just but Nick was so nice. So when he was telling me off, it was kind of like, oh, he's not that bothered, man, because he's he's Nick. Do you know what I mean? He's never going to get that angry. But um, funnily enough, I think I deleted it the whole time. The canoe was there. <laughs> Funny <laughs> because that he'd obviously they killed us, but. Before that, Danny Wilson, he found it a laugh because I think Danny was such a, a man's man, you know, he, he, he didn't care. He probably wouldn't even know what Twitter was, but um, I think Nick Watkins pulled us a couple of times and um, and Big Paul Hart, Paul Hart that really didn't like it, so they were the main two. Uh-huh. If they won, send me off. Every game, no problem. I will win this league anyway because my team is a strong team. They're worse. We play football. Even if they send me off, we win this league. No problem. Biggest prank you pulled off during your time at Swindon? Oh, pranks were constant with me and uh, Paul Caddis. Just the usual, the wrote their objects in the pants. I think we used to get big funny quite a bit with that. Um, well, I don't know if I should probably say this, I'll probably get in trouble, but Boss, John Bostler was obviously a big Christian. He was a lovely big guy, John Bostler. I used to room him and he obviously told us his beliefs. He couldn't, uh, he doesn't like looking at other women because he's got a married or a wife. So every morning, me and Paul Caddis went out our way to go and buy the sun and stick page three at his, bit, uh, at his locker every morning. <laughs> Every morning he would come on, come in. Oh, come on, man! Get that! I hated it, but he seen it as a laugh, and it was, it was good for him as well because it brought him in amongst the lads straight away. But um, pranks, ugh, just constant winding people up. It's swindling. I think because the gaffer was so hard that well, you had to have a laugh in the dressing room all the time. But it wasn't just me. There was loads like Gary Roberts loved a laugh, Joe Devera, Luke Rooney. So even big Flinty, big dry sense of humour, but but really funny. So no, it was a great dressing room. I think. Even when I first went, Billy Painter and um, Hasniel Joffrey, Lee Peacock, JP, they were really funny guys. I mean, I remember my first day I walked in and everyone had a lookalike up on their locker. Uh, we went to train and I came back and Mrs. Doubtfire was pinned up on mine. <laughs> <laughs> so straight away, I loved that. I just took, it just made me feel at ease straight away. Ben Hutchison, who was with me, got one. Uh, and I couldn't tell you who it was because the guy who put that would probably get arrested. So, But uh, <laughs> it was constant, honestly, for... For four years, it was just a complete laugh, and I, I really enjoyed it. Huh? Are you still in touch with Paul Caddis? How's he doing? So I'll speak to him uh, once a week. I speak to Paul Caddis. Uh, uh, he's doing great. So he was struggling for a while there to try and get a club. I tried to help him out with a couple of things. He was on trial at uh, Partick Thistle with Gary Caldwell. Mm. I interviewed Gary Caldwell and asked him if he'd take Cads in. So Cads ended up going in there, but um, his family and that are still in Birmingham. So he's uh, he signed for Bradford now. Yeah. Uh, he's played the last five games, and I think... I've had a wee change in fortune since he's went there, which doesn't surprise me because he's what a player he is. Uh, so I'm happy to see him doing well. He's some boy, honestly. 
The next question is, would you come back and still do a job in centre midfield? Oh, you wouldn't want us to, honestly. It'd be embarrassing. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you. I know things are going great just now, but it would only get worse if I was to come down there. But to be fair, that was the, probably the best time I've, in my career. That was the, probably the best run I get. I was just fit, fit at Swindon. You know, the Canio came in and made us really fit and probably never had that since and never had it before it. So it goes a long way, you know, the old fitness thing. So... And I stayed fit. I wasn't injured at Swindon. You know, the whole time I was there, I think maybe a couple of injuries in, in four years. So probably the best football I, I played was it when I was at Swindon. What was your best moment working for Paolo at Swindon, and did how did it feel to you to prove him wrong? The best moment of well, the best moment was probably when he, he thanked us. I think I mentioned it in the first podcast. I was, I think I was hungover in Glasgow. Actually, it was in the summer, and he phoned me. And, just said, like, thanked us for, for proving him wrong and sticking it out. And the whole time he'll be at the club, but I would be there. But the, the gaffer was brilliant. What he was great at is when, when, he, was, when he was angry, you were re- very scared of him. But when he was happy, he could make you feel like the best player in the world. So he'd come in after a game and grab you. And if you'd won a game and you'd done well, and he'd grab you and he'd t- say all these nice things in your ear. And you're thinking, Paolo Di Canio thinks I'm decent, man. It's doesn't get any better than this. And he'd be so passionate when he told you. And obviously, I remember when we scored that goal against Northampton. I don't know if you've seen the video, but I'm mm-hmm. directly across from him. And I remember looking into his eyes and thinking, you are fucking mental. <laughs> I thought he was going to stick the knot on it. So his eyes were it's like something taking over his body, man. But I loved it. I just loved every day. was was funny, man. Every day. I remember we played a, a pre-season friendly. It was close to Swindon. I can't remember. Maybe hunger for somebody like that. It was the time Tommy Miller and Alan Navarro and that I just signed, so played the game. Uh, after the game, the gaffer said uh, they've put food on for you through in the wee canteen, but you can go through it, eat, and then we'll get on the bus and go home. So the boys have went through at the canteen, and it's uh, sausages and chips that they've put on, and uh, the boys are like, we know he's going to be raging if we eat it. Are we going for it? And I was like, ah, straight in, sausages, chips, hunters of tomato sauce, hunters of mayonnaise. Uh, everyone else goes for it. He comes into the canteen and oh my god, flips, flips. No, how can you do this to me? Everyone, stop eating! Don't touch another sausage or or chips. Oh, everyone on the bus. So we get on the bus. He's raging, man. We get off. He gets straight in his motor. Next day we're in for training and we had a two-hour meeting or a two-hour talk before we started training about English sausage. I like English sausage. But you cannot eat English sausage, lads. And then he starts saying, "Okay." He starts to mellow you, but he says, "Okay." Thinking about this, I can understand the English sausage, but ketchup and mayonnaise, I wouldn't feed it to the flies. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all buckled. But then when you're laughing at me, he's like, "No, please don't laugh at me, lads. This is serious." Um, so every day it was just something like that. It would be completely bizarre, but genius and funny. And then even like two months down the line. He'd bring that English sausage back into something that he was talking about that for me had completely nothing to do with. Um, but I loved, I loved it because he was a complete character. And as I say, his enthusiasm and passion for the game. And and what he doesn't get credit for is wanting to make players better as well. You know, I can think when Matt, when Matt Ritchie first came in, it's when I think I mentioned it maybe before. I didn't, I didn't rate Matt. Honestly, I never rated him. Um, and the manager came. I think he switched him to the left wing to the right wing. And it's basically made Matt's career so... In both ways, both his character and his will to make people better and his passion and enthusiasm, uh, every day was, was brilliant. Even when he was getting me in trouble, I liked him. Honestly, I did. Because I thought, 
he cares about us. He wants me to do well, and he would always say that. So he showed a real interest in you, and he, what, he was great with your family and stuff like that. So. <clears throat> no, I loved it. I really did love it. I did. Decano did have a tendency of bombing out players. Which one do you think, at the time, did you think to yourself that is out of order or was detrimental to the team? <sighs> well, probably the only one I would say was probably the goalie, Matia. Mm. You know, he made a mistake. I think it was Burton. He passed the ball to the thing and the, the striker scored. And, but the thing is with that is that I think they spoke in Italian a couple of times, so I don't know what was said between them, but... So that would be tough for a call, but I think, to be fair, I think the gaffer thought if there was a bad egg in the group, in which I agree with now, if, if he's a bad egg in the group, then you kind of have him in about the players, you know, they need to go and train with the youth team or the reserves, because addressing them, especially when things aren't going well, if there's any negative, negativity, then people jump on it uh, quick. So guys like Mehdi was, made me laugh because he was funny and he would slag Alberto Camacho all the time. Did I tell you that story last time? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, I agree. Everything the manager said. So I, I thought he was really funny, Mehdi, but when you think about it, he, was, he, he loved like, making the, taking the piss out the manager and doing other people's voices and stuff and kind of disruptive. So I can see both sides. Of it. Obviously, if you're a player, you're not happy, but... You can see from the manager's point of view why it, why it had to be done. So, but the thing is, mum, see, if you gave your all and you, you try to do what he was telling you, then you wouldn't have be bombed it. It was only when you kind of, because even when he first came in, it was probably my fault that I just thought, oh, fuck yes, I'm not doing what he tells me, um, and that is why I was bombed it. But then when I started to listen to him and do what he asked, then you were playing and he, he was great to you, you know. How tough were the running drills with Claudia? At first, very tough. <laughs> but then I ended up the fittest in the squad. I, think I came back one pre-season and and um, the first pre-season I was last in every run. Man, me and me and Claudio used to run, just the two of us. But then Agatha would run next to us, which I loved as well. You know, he bombed it, but not bombed us out. But he basically told us that I wasn't playing, but because I wasn't fit enough, I was overweight, and I'd need to do runs with Claudio at the end, and he would come and do it with. And you were thinking, this is unbelievable. You know, he's he's running with me. He, he, he cares again. Like, like I say, he wants us to get fitter and wants to do better. But the runs were. The, the toughest, the toughest pre-seasons I've ever done. Gordon Strachan's is notorious. I think I interviewed Paddy McCourton. He was saying that Gordon Strachan's was notorious, but uh, the Canyons was harder, definitely. And it wasn't just that. It was um, <laughs> I can I can remember it the first time we went to Italy. It was about fucking ninety degrees. Okay, lads, first things first. Uh, no water breaks. And I'm thinking he's at it. No water breaks, man. Are you kidding? It's ninety degrees. And then we done the first run. It was the hardest run I've ever done. And the boys went over to get a drink, and he's no. We don't. You don't get water during the game. You get water after after training. You you you'll drink. You'll drink. So so tough. But as again, as I say, you would be joining the runs, wouldn't you? So you'd make it. Make it. You think if he can do it, then 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 we should be able to do it. So and then not just the running drills, but also the intensity of the training. So with managers, you run and then you'll do ball stuff after it. But even the ball stuff was such high intensity. Just fitness was a big thing for him. Thing for him. But um, it definitely worked with that team because I think. We won so many games late on, you know. Who was always great in training who perhaps wasn't given the chance to replicate that on match day? I wouldn't say so much. Never got the chance to replicate it, but probably never done as well as he should at Swindon was Gary Roberts. I mean, some of the things Robbo could do in training was was unbelievable. Mm. He could turn people inside out. He could stick the ball in the top corner with any part of his foot. And I just think he probably struggled with the managers, the intensity and how, how, how much, how fit he had to be in how much work he expected your wingers to do. I think he played at Huddersfield when we used to play play Rob. I used to say to him, he would just stand on the right wing and he wouldn't defend, they would just get the ball and get him and he'd go and attack people. But with a manager, you had to run up and down and you had to tuck in, you had to get out to your man and you had, and it was a lot of hard work. So I, I think Robbo never really showed his, 
the the ability that he had because as I say, some days in training, I mean, some things he could do with football was was brilliant. Um, who else was good in training? For me, Jonathan Douglas was what a player he was. What a player every day was. He trained it was like like it was a World Cup final, you know. He he was uh, his intensity in that for training and his desire to win and how much he demanded of people. Really good. Matty was a worst trainer ever. Matt Ritchie was the hopeless in training. I used to pray he wasn't on my team. You won, you wouldn't have passed the ball to you. And if he wasn't shooting, he was getting the ball away. And then he was one that he'd be hopeless all week. And you think, I can't play Matty. And then he'd play Saturday and he'd score two and he'd set up the other ones. So uh, Matty was definitely frustrating in, tra- in training, but in, in games he was he was brilliant for us. So. Uh-huh. And a similar question: Who were the most underrated players that you played with at Swindon? Most underrated players: <sighs> Danny Hollands was very good for me. It's it's when I got a really good and probably the similar with Tommy Muller as well. Mm. I think Tommy Muller got a bit of stick when he played for us. Would I be right in saying that now? Well, I was really really happy when when he signed because that was a sign of you know really going for it in league in League One because he'd been mm-hmm. there and done that. I just think mm-hmm. he was winding down. I don't think he was hated too much. I just, I just don't think he sort of got a look in with some of the other players in his position. Uh, well, so Tommy, Tommy Muller would be underrated for me as a young, youngish player when he came twenty two, twenty three. Taught me so much, uh, and even just watching him, like went to play first time, went to take a touch where he should be when you don't have the ball. He was great for me with that. Mm. Uh, always offering advice. Lovely guy, really lovely guy. I'm trying to think who else underrated players. Nathan Thompson was great, mm-hmm. really good. I think Nath took Nath a while to get him because Paul Caddis was such a good player. Yeah. For me, Caddis was would have been the top three players I played with. So I thought he was great. You know, he never gave a ball away. He could um, he run the game for right back, which he didn't get for often. But Nath, you always knew Nath was going to do well in football because he had a great enthusiasm, great work rate, tough as any, and he'd tackle anyone. Uh, I remember he tackled the canyon on training. But Decanio loved it and he got up and smashed him back. So, Nath, I, I always, the, the minute he tackled Decanio, you knew that he was going to go on and, and be a football player. But uh, younger players, who else? I think there was a boy, Connor Walden, was it? Yeah. Striker. Yeah, that's right. I quite liked him. I always quite liked him. Kind of tall, skinny boy, black mm-hmm. hair. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought he had a wee chance, and, but he, I don't think he's went on to do anything, is he? No, he's in non league now, yeah. Uh, non league now. So, he was he was the one that I kind of, I think he got a wee couple of games with maybe mm-hmm. under on the bench or something with Kev McDonald, I think it would maybe was. So, um, Oh, Louis Thompson, Louis was great. And to be fair, again, Decanio brought him up, seen some of them and brought him up at 16, I think it was. I remember we played Sheffield United, who had Kevin McDonald, who's now at Fulham. Michael Doyle, who was obviously a, a good lower league player, very tough. Um, and we had loads of injuries. It was me and Louis in the middle of the pitch. I think I was captain that night. Uh, I think he was 16, maybe 17, and you're up against two right good players. And Louis was brilliant, really, really good. Um, like his brother, just great drive and great determination and actually want to be a football player. You know, I look at young players now and he didn't really get that. Um, and Louis and Nath were, were going to do everything they could to be to be footballers. So, fair play to them. They've both done absolutely great in it. But it's no surprise, really. Are you Billy s- Bowden, by the way. Oh, mm. no, there's the one. There's the one. Billy Bowden. I knew he'd be a star. Mm. Absolute star. Do you know what I loved about Billy Bowden? He wouldn't give a fuck. Like, the manager would tell him to stop flicking the ball at the time and he would still keep flicking the ball because he thought it was the right thing to do. And I loved that. He had so much confidence in himself, Bill. And... Um, you know, you get young kids coming into the team and they'll just play the safe pass all the time. But, I mean, I remember he scored a goal against Crawley. I think he took it on the half turn for a throw mm-hmm. on his left foot and volleyed it in the top corner. And he got sent out on loan to Torquay, I think, because he kept flicking the ball. Uh, but, no, and I still speak to Billy, actually. I speak to Billy every now and again. Uh, so it's great to see him doing well because he always had great ability. And, and I, as I say, a confidence in himself, which um, goes a long way. 
Billy's one of those uh, players where I look at how he's how he's doing now, injury aside, and I think, oh man, he should have stayed at Swindon a bit longer. It just felt like he was bombed out, so to speak, uh, at the time. Well, I think him and his, da- his dad and maybe um, the manager had a wee bit of disagreement, didn't they? And that mm-hmm. maybe added to it as well. But no, I agree. I always felt he was good enough to, to, to definitely be, even at such a young age, he should have been coming on every week. And I think he started a couple of games, mm-hmm. but... Um, no, that's a, that's a sore one for Swindon because um, obviously local lad grew up there, loved Swindon, his dad loves the club as well, so I definitely missed out on that one. And even if he'd stayed for a bit longer, you know, you could have got a, a, a right good few quid for him because mm. he was um, he was he was ready to play, I think, definitely. So that's a bit, a bit of a sad one. But um, Nathan Lloyd, the same. Have you had Nathan? You know, you know, they could be the, the mainstay of the team for for ten years. You know, are you still in touch with Wes Fodderingham, and why hasn't he been on your podcast yet? I'm in touch with Wes, so I seen him in the town about oh, when did I see him? About four months ago. His wife, his girlfriend, sorry, just had gave birth to a kid last week. So as soon as he leaves Rangers, he'll be on. But um, it's tough because he they say like a Rangers player as a PR guy standing there. Can't ask that. Can't say that. No, I'll take that and that. So I'm, I can't be bothered with that. So as soon as he leaves Rangers, we'll get him on. He's got some great stuff with the Canio. I think they've got some great. Obviously, when they fell out, a couple of one-to-one meetings that are really funny. So. I'll let him tell that when he comes on. <laughs> I'm not giving you that. He's close. I'm keeping it for myself. Now Richie finds Ferry. Beaten away by Colgan. Oh, it's loose. It's Ferry again. And that has surely sealed Twindon's place in round two. As a footballer, how much of your performance did the positive nature of the Swindon crowd during your time at the club have? Conversely, when times are tough and the crowd are getting on your back, how does that affect you as a footballer? See, I don't know. I, I think Swindon, Swindon fans were great for me. I don't know. We had quite, I think, bar one season, we had great, great street, mm. great season, sorry, two playoffs and won the league one year. And I honestly can't even remember once getting a bit of. Well, I don't know if I've ever heard it, or maybe because I was a younger. And I think when you're younger, you didn't really care, you know. I think I used to get quite a bit of stick for maybe going out or stuff like that, but it never really used to bother me because seen a great time. I was playing every week, and you know the manager liked you. And but Swindon, as I say, Swindon fans were were great with me. I I think I've seen some somebody saying that they, they could be quite harsh on people when they're not playing well, but I never really seen that side of things. And even when we got relegated that year, I mean. I never really remember anyone getting some like serious stick, like abuse. You know, other clubs that have been at since the fans have been a lot more um, hard on the players. I think I think the fans in general are, are really good, and as I say, they're they're so friendly as well to me. I can only speak about money, but but guys like you know football Phil and stuff like that, great people. You know, funny but great people, and um, I think they've got a bad bone in their body. You know, but as I say, I can't really remember getting any stick face when the fans are thinking at a time where oh, I'm going to get getting a hard time off the supporters and, and to be honest I, I, I can't remember in my time anyone of my teammates coming in or saying oh the fans are on my back or kind of relax in front of the fans so I think not just myself but in the four years that I was there I can't remember one time anybody thinking that the fans were on their back too much so only good things to say David Pratton oh did Pratt's get Kane did he uh, <laughs> he'd have been so he would have, that would have went right over his head because I think and his head perhaps just keeps telling him he's the best, he said he's the best player in the world so their thoughts would have been louder than the ones the people that were shouting at him <laughs> 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 so 
Do you think any of your ex-Swindon teammates will make successful football managers in the future? Uh, oh, I know Paul Candice wants to do it. Guys like Gordon Greer for me would have been a, a, mm. a manager. Uh, I mean, three. T- I think I was there for a year with Gordon. I think he punched three people in training that year. He just demanded high standards. Uh, he wanted training to be done a, a certain way. He wanted you to play a certain way, and if you wanted to do it, he would tell you straight away, which I love. Um, so Gordon would definitely be one. Dougie would 100% be one. I think he's got a good balance between he can have a laugh at you, but then at times he can just ignore you for a couple of days and you think, oh, have I done something to annoy him? So I think Dougie and Gordy would be the two that would stand out straight away. I know Hasney's doing great. He's doing, I think Hasney or Joffrey is perfect for youth coaching because he was brilliant as a young kid going in. So funny, so funny. He had a great way about himself. Um, so it's no surprise to me that he's there on the, the youth side of things. He's at Manchester United, isn't he? Man United, he mm-hmm. is. Uh-huh. I still speak to him as well. We've got a group chat uh, on Instagram. It's me, Hasney, Hill, Joffrey, Alan O'Brien, um, Sean Morrison and Kurt Hammonds. Remember Kurt? Yeah, he was a Warminster uh, kid yeah, from my neck of the woods. So we've, us four, and it's basically just Al, uh, Hasney, Hill, Joffrey just slaughters Alan O'Brien on it every time about <laughs> his feather hamstrings. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so um, has it, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else kind of that I played with. Uh, striker coach Thomas DeSevy, you see him that happening, off running offside coach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think JP wants to do it, JP McGovern, I think he wants to do it, I think he had a wee spell at Clyde, still speak to JP as well. Still doing a bit now, he's player coach now, isn't he? He's an Elgin player he's coach, so must be in the same league, so I play against him four times a year, uh, so it's always good to see him, but I think he's going to move it to Marbella in the summer, so... I think that'll be the end of the old managerial career. But um, other than that, Tommy Miller, I'd imagine, I think he's maybe doing some Middlesbrough. Who was the centre-halves at that, that time? Flinty, Joe Devere, and uh, um, that'd probably be it. Be it. Jay McEverly, maybe. I think Jay was quite a big... Darren Ward, actually. I thought Darren Ward would go in a bit. I think he's too clever for football. He'll probably be a scientist or something now. But um, still, Darren Ward had a good... Still playing. Uh, still playing. No way he's yeah, still playing. He's Hemel Hampstead or something like that, yeah. What a man. Yeah. He had a cattery in You know about his <laughs> diet and all that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know about his cattery. Uh, every day, Darren Ward would sit next to me and it wouldn't matter if the suit, it was a bowl of shit for soup. He would sit down and he'd, he'd say the same thing every day. Fezza, that is a good bowl of soup. <laughs> <laughs> he loved these grub, man. Absolutely. He used to, what about this? So we'd be at, we Louis Thompson that would clean the boots with the hose outside uh, train, the training ground. And uh, so there's muck and shit on the place and Darren Ward would come out with his bag of dry fruit and he would wash his apricots underneath the same hose that all the boots were getting washed with. I just absolutely blew my mind, man. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. Who else are you still in touch with? Still in touch with quite a lot of the boys, to be honest. I still speak to Luke Rooney. He wants to do a similar thing to what I'm doing with football interviews, so mm. I still speak to Luke quite a lot. Me and him were really close. James Collins, I still speak to him, me and my wife. When I left Swindon, I went to Portsmouth. Me and my wife went on holiday with him and his missus uh, to Portugal, so we still keep in contact. Gary Roberts, I speak to every now and again. was a really good lad. James Collins, who else is there? Flinty, I still, see Flinty. I still speak to Flinty every now and again. He'll leave a wee comment on my Insta. Alan Connell, I still speak mm-hmm. to him. Al's at Bournemouth. He's mm-hmm. in uh, under-18s at Bournemouth, so I still speak to him. Paul Caddis. Um, uh, they'd be the main ones, really. Um trying to think who else. No, that's it. That's it. That's a bit. Who would be in your Swindon Town Fiver side? Oh wow, Swindon Town Fiver side. Okay, so in goals I go Wes. D between Wes and Dave Lucas, but I think Wes was better with his feet than what Dave was. Which obviously in modern football you need now. I mean, Wes was ridiculous with his feet. He could zing the ball, probably better than me. 
So Wes would be in goals. What formation is this? Two. Anything you want. I'm only playing one defender, man. Nobody likes defenders. <laughs> My defender on his own at the back would do have to be Gordy. I think Gordon Greer. <clears throat> As I say, just good leader. Good player, by the way, as well. He could sing the ball about mm-hmm. with two feet. He could pass the ball, Gordy. My midfield two... Oh, I don't know. I don't want to be too defensive here. Need, you need to have Matty in the team because you just get the ball and shoot and you score. So Matty would be in the midfield with... Austin's up front, of course. Austin's got to be up front. So we've got Richie, Austin, Greer, and I'd go Douglas, I think. Nice. I'd go Douglas for a bit of bite. So Douglas, Richie, Greer, Fodringham and... Austin's not a bad team, Matt, is it? Uh, I think Greer and uh, Douglas will have a go at uh, Richie if he keeps shooting from every angle. Oh, they, uh, well, he never done that under him. He was too scared because Dougie would go mad at him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get it right. What was the most hostile away ground you played at while you were at Swindon? Hostile away ground? Uh, oof. I was trying to think of that one, but like Oxford was never hostile. I think the canny will try to make it hostile. Like, he was drumming it up, but I think Oh, I'm trying to think. The most hostile away ground. Ellen Road was quite hostile until we went three 0 up, and then they were all, they all left. But I remember the thinking the first ten minutes it was kind of oof because mm. I think they they were very vocal. And Sheffield United was always quite hostile. I enjoyed going to Sheffield United. They sing that song before the game, mm. and I couldn't concentrate on the game because I was just fucking looking about. It was, it was brilliant them singing that. But um, uh, probably Sheffield United for me. I always liked going to Sheffield United. The atmosphere was always really good. So. Who else did, did we ever play any any games that were quite intense? I don't think ever. Got, uh, it's got to be Millwall. So we um, obviously Kevin, remember Kevin Manquin, Neil Harris, all that stuff. Mm, yeah, of course, yeah. So we we got off the bus at Millwall. In fact, as we're driving to Millwall, I was one of the older boys I was sitting with, mm. and I was saying to them, "What is it like eighteen-year-old kids now that give you a bit of stick?" And they're like, that. "Listen, lad, this will be like fourteen-year-old guys wanting to kill you, man." I was thinking, no way. Sure enough, when the bus gets pulled up, obviously because the stuff had happened, and I think both of us could have went up that day. I'm talking like meatheads, man. Fifty-year-old meatheads wanting to kill us, doing like their dead signs and it on the bus. Absolutely shitting myself. Uh, but then they came into the dressing room and said, with the stuff with Kev, and because it was going to be um, and the last game of the season, they were all going to run on the pitch. So basically, get off the pitch as quick as possible. And I'll never forget. Never seen so many boys asking a ref how long to the final whistle. And I think the last 20 seconds of the game, there was about 10 of us playing on the left wing as close to the dugout as we could so we could just run off the pitch. But then they came on and I, would, I think all the boys completely shit themselves and got right up the tunnel. So I'd, I'd say that, definitely. I forgot about that. For those who don't remember, Kevin and Mank were in a game against Millwall in the heat of the moment, mocked Neil Harris's history with testicular cancer, which is, of course, completely out of order. In the build-up to such an important game, however, how did Kevin prepare himself, or how was he feeling in the build-up to go into a club with such an intense fan base? He was he was a great guy, Kev. I got on really well with him, but he was uh, and he was the strongest man alive, so he would have been able to chuck a few boys about. But that was the one time I, did, I think he was trying to act, act cool, but i seen him running off that pitch as quick as he could. <laughs> He'll probably deny it, but i seen him. Because <laughs> I was watching him as well for the last 20 minutes. I was thinking, I want to see if he gets battered here. <laughs> <laughs> what were you like after the, the incident with uh, Neil Harris? Was it was it like, man, that was out of order? or was um, I think it was... Uh, I think Danny Wilson and Kev were quite close. They played it a couple of... Uh, I think they played at Bristol City before together. So yep. 
anyone else would probably want to talk about it, but Kev was just like, that is what it is, man. Like, he did that mad thing with his teeth, so I, I think anyone else would maybe want to kind of ask your opinion or talk about it, but Kev, it just rolled off Kev's back. But I, remember, I think it was in the paper that the next day, so you're thinking, it's a bit of, I was my first year in football as well, I'd never seen anything like it, so um, I can't really remember what the feeling I don't think anyone really spoke about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because Kev probably wouldn't have wanted to he was quite as I said quite relaxed about things mm. What was the best atmosphere you had at the county ground? Oh 100 but I know straight away I, well there's two so either the first leg against Charlton was brilliant man mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it I remember when this Charlie was it Charlie scored the first and Danny scored the second Correct Curry on the ball he's got Ward with him Timing of the pass is crucial. A touch and shoot. Yes. You bet. You bet. 2 0 Swindon. Danny Ward. I remember after Danny scored. No, in fact, I think it was after Charlie scored his first. There was a header, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Austin going in. Well, it was coming in the first half. It's arrived six minutes into the second. A glorious scoring header from Charlie Austin. I remember looking in the stadium and it was absolutely jumping and thinking, oh, this is proper football, man, this is brilliant. Uh, but the best for me would be uh, Leeds 3-0. Mm. Leeds 3-0, I think they had the whole back stand and the side stand, but um, that was the, the one time I remember the county ground was absolutely full to the brim and it was rocking, man. So I think we went when we went two up... Um, it was um, it was jumping, absolutely jumping, uh, and probably one of the games I could, you know, you were struggling to hear people shouting at people on the pitch because the fans were so good that night. So um, I would say the three 0 game. What, what would you, what would yours be? Can you remember any others? From your time, not, uh, not really. No, I think you've 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 got it there. I mean, any time like Southampton and those bigger teams turned up, it was always good value I think because uh-huh. like the Wigan FA Cup game for example it just felt like a lot of people turning up I loved the Port Vale one because we hadn't lifted up lifted a trophy in in years so that was just uh-huh. that was different though that was just everyone was in a good mood <laughs> as opposed uh-huh. to anything and once we I think, I think the Leeds one because um, it's Leeds we were, I mean, clo- we were so close to each other on the table yeah, weren't we yeah I mean Norwich I was good you could feel that tension I had. you could feel it. they had a good team as yeah. well so you could feel that tension on the ground that Everyone was. I think the players were nervous as well. You know, it was a big chance, and I think we'd beaten a lot of lesser teams, and that was kind of our first really big test. Can we go and beat Leeds? Yeah. And I think we absolutely battered them that yeah. night. So, I think the fans felt that as well, and it was that was one of my favourite nights at Swindon, definitely. The Norwich home game where Greer scores in the last minute—that was pretty good. I don't know. I think I was. Uh, I think I was ill, or I was suspended. I think maybe so. I wasn't. I wasn't playing that game, but I remember being at the game. Uh, and the atmosphere for that game was, was great that's mad because you would think that the atmosphere the best atmosphere would have been under the canio but I can't really think of a game that was that was like that it's funny isn't it because I mean we're not doing to date Swindon aren't doing very well and you know the, the, the attendances are dropping but they're not significantly less than what they were under Di Canio I mean a lot of people have these sort of romantic images of it being full to the uh-huh. full to the brim every game but it simply wasn't the case it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing because they were great times I think I think the games that were full to the brim was because back in I think the days there was a lot bigger teams in the league yeah. I think now anyway you know you had your Leeds your Southampton your Norwich Millwall teams like that you know they were big teams in the yeah. league um I think that was when we had the full houses, but you're right. Uh, 
I think that Swindon have got a loyal fan base that will be there no matter what, you know. So that's why the numbers are probably the same. But I think people used to, some people just used to come just to watch the Canio, didn't they? I yeah. think I've heard a few people saying that. Um, but I think the Danny Wilson that year, that was the best I've seen the fans for me. Um, I don't know whether it's because it struggled in previous seasons, but um, the first year I, I, I can remember a few times thinking, oh, this is brilliant, man. I don't know if it's because it was my first year in football as well, but I just always felt like the fans were were re- really came out in numbers and it was it was always quite quite noisy and quite um, the atmosphere was great. I really enjoyed that first year under Danny Wilson. I would say was the best I've seen the fans that year. Yeah. It was a Charlton away game and there were so many big games that with one Norwich you said we beat Southampton. Um, the way fans were great, and I remember going to St Mary's and Charlie scored against the keeper. Remember he went round the keeper and he scored was yeah. it one 0 one. Yeah. The fans there, uh, and I remember running over to Charlie and looking up to the fans, thinking, "This is proper football, man!" Like there's so many people there to support an away game, and the Leeds game, Ellen drawn up, up in that corner when Billy scored and ran over. It was, it was brilliant, really good, really enjoying it. And then obviously the Charlton away was the fans were unbelievable, man. I think we stayed there for what an hour and a half after the game. We were all singing and dancing it was it was great that leads us nicely to our next question so the question is if the 2009-10 team of Austin Painter Greer would take on the team of 2012-13 with Collins Rooney Williams and Flint who would win if they were to play each other in a match no doubt Danny Wilson's team would win yeah just proper men in that team uh, proper it was with men all over the pitch you know you had the spine of the team was Gordon Greer Jonathan Douglas and Billy Painter were big boys who could handle themselves, could play. Um, you know, if it was a fight, we could fight. If it was a a, a football game, we could play football. Um, even guys like Big Kev, you know, he was a big man. He could get up and down the pitch. He was physical. Uh, I think we used to beat bully teams, you know, even by we five foot eight fat guy in the middle of the pitch. But even Charlie was an animal, you know. You, you look at if I look at the front too I mean Painter and Austin would fling people about whereas I don't think James Collins although they're good players and Andy Williams I don't think they were at the same level mm. as Painter and Austin I mean Painter and Austin were unbelievable you could just kick the ball any direction and they would get a hold and, and bash people about um, and even Danny Ward was a young boy but he was a bull you know he was as strong as a come Danny Ward and he wanted the ball at the time and um Scott Cuthbert, aggressive guy. Dave Lucas, a man. You know, he was the team was full of men. Uh, so I think oh nine oh nine or ten, they would take some. Beat. I mean, as I say, we beat teams with Leeds with Snodgrass and Housen and uh, Becky. Oh uh, three nil, so six nil over two legs. You know, you think of the Southampton team with Lallana, Lambert, and beat them three times. I think twice or three times that year. So playing against some top teams and. I always just felt with that team that no matter who we were playing, we had a chance of winning. Especially at the county ground. I, th- I thought every week you were turning up thinking you were going to win. Um, uh, so definitely in 2009-2010, definitely. I don't know what to uh, to make of the next question, but it is, why was Ronan Murray known as the Duracell Bunny? Ronan Murray? Who, who named him that? No idea. I would imagine it's because he could run all day, but I would, pro- I would say it's pro- probably because he's two front teeth. Hang out his mouth. Um, <laughs> Ronan Murray, I never knew he was called that. One thing I remember about Ronan Murray was he was his gear was absolutely shocking, man. I think we used to call him the Polish labourer. He looked like a Polish window cleaner, man. He had like stonewashed baggy jeans. A like t-shirt that was grey but used to be white and like trainers two sizes too big for him. And him and Matty Ritchie used to slaughter each other all the time. <laughs> I don't think they got on too well, so that was quite... I used to enjoy watching their two 
to slaughter each other. But um, I think he could run a book quite a bit, but I wouldn't have said he was uh, a Duracell bunny, but um, I'm not too sure on that one, to be honest. Of course we do, every day. Didn't work hard enough, went out too much, too much carry on. Um, I had it would be my regrets, I mm. never worked hard enough, never to carry on too much. Um, I think if I had the carry as my manager for longer, I'd be playing, I'd still be playing at that level, definitely, no doubt. I mean, just before the carry left, he wanted me to sign a new deal, and I was, I, I'd, I'd have loved to have done that, you know, but. Um, mm. I think when he went and there wasn't somebody on me every day, then I just went back to, like, no, probably no living, right? Uh, I think living away from home mm. is tough because you've not really got somebody there to keep an eye on you, and, like your dad or your, your mum, you know, it's just left to your own devices, whereas you had a, a manager who was weighing you every day, so you couldn't have it. He was weighing you every day and he was checking up on you, so uh, it, has, it says, probably says a lot about how weak I am as a person that I need somebody like that to do that but um, since the canny I've not really had a manager that's pushed me like that so it's uh, that's my regret definitely um, I should have had probably a bit better mentality but uh, I had a great time you know what I mean I had a, I had a great laugh <laughs> doing it and, uh, Do you not think though if you didn't have those injuries quite early on in your career that if they wouldn't have happened you might have broke into the Celtic team it would have been a bit different? Oh uh, definitely I mean injuries kill, kill you you know mm. I was out for two and a half years as a young kid and you put on about five stone and you can't move and you're not as sharp as you were. Um, it's that, that, that was that was really tough, I think. Mm. I think I've done well. I say I'm weak mentally, but a lot of kids who have been it for two and a half years then I go on to even have any career, so proud of myself for doing that. But uh, that definitely slowed us down a bit, the injuries. And then even when I went to Portsmouth, I think, I don't know if it was because of training at Swindon was so hard going for that to a lot lighter training. I just, my body found that transition hard and I just keep, kept getting back injuries and hamstring injuries and couldn't get myself fit mm-hmm. um, same when I went to Dundee as well so you can't really do much about injuries but while I was injured I probably could have worked harder to get fit you know I'd go up the gym and I was meant to be doing a bike and, and weights and I would be pissing about kicking the ball about and playing head tennis so You've only got yourself to blame, really, if, you, if, you, if that's the way you're going to do it. I was talking to your old neighbour, Sam Mooreshead, the other week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually listened to his first one. I've not listened to the second one. I listened to Sam's because I quite liked Sam when I was there, so I thought I'll give this a listen and see what this clown's got to say for himself. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I did enjoy it. It was great. It was really good. Well, he reminded us on the second episode that you stated in a press conference that you'd shit through my letterbox. Is <laughs> <laughs> that in a press I remember saying that. I can't remember where I was when I said it. Well, was that in a press conference? Well, I, I believe so. I might be wrong there, but you said you shit through my letterbox. Did it take a lot of restraint to not mess with Sam's head on this one? I think I probably farted through it. I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get a shit. Uh, uh, no, do you know what? I'll tell you why I had a wee hint for Sam Moore's head and I probably why I said it because I think I played one of my best games first one away at Charlton. Mm. 
I think we got beat, but I played in front of the back four. It was the Prutton times. It was me, Prutz and Matty Ritchie maybe played in midfield three. We got beat, but I, I played really well and he gave me a five in the paper the next day. And I think that's when I said to him, I'm going to shout in your letterbox if you do that again. But see guys like Sam, Chris Wise, Chris Smith, Marie, kind of, they were the press people. Marie was obviously the secretary, but I really got on with them. You know, they were good guys. You can have a proper chat with them. Quite funny guys. They like, TV shows similar to Chris Smith was a big fan of The Office and Alan Partridge and I think Sam was as well so we'd always get a laugh with stuff like that uh, and that was the club was just like that at that time everyone well I thought I just I just enjoyed everyone's company even guys like Matty Vernon who works at the club I don't know if you know Matty there no 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 sorry uh, Matty so he helps with the bins and helps just in general things he, he, he goes about doing, uh, stuff at the club he's a great kid I'll never forget I went into uh, lunch one day and it was uh, we used to get big this wasn't the canoe, obviously, because he hated butter, but big uh, squares of butter. Mm. And Matty was sitting there just nailing butter with a knife, just sitting, putting it in and eating it. So he's mouth and I was like, Adam, what are you doing, man? He's like, he thought it was cheese. <laughs> he thought it was blocks of cheese <laughs> sitting nailing butter. But guys like him and Chris Wise, as I say, Chris Tanner, they were all, Adam Wainwright. I mean, I used to go and we'd train at Liddington and then we'd get uh, the cars back to the county here for our lunch. And as soon as I got into the county ground, I would go into the office with the staff and we'd sit and have a laugh for, for ages. I mean, Adam Wainwright, every time he left his computer, I would go and put a new screensaver up. Um, obviously, I couldn't <laughs> tell you what it was, but it was uh, every time. And he, he just kept, kept he never even put a, a lock on his computer. I think he quite enjoyed the flirting that I would do. Well. So I, I really, even guys like Derek who'd done the programme, his wife Val, and Nick Watkins was in the office at that time. Kay Wainwright, lover. You know, just the staff in general, I had a lot of time for them and I would spend most of my time in the office getting a laugh with them. So, great times, really, really great people. What's your favourite Alan Partridge episode? It's got to be the guy that kidnaps him, isn't it? Alan, <laughs> uh, Dan's brilliant as well, but also when Michael gets his new American pal, is it? Text, text? yeah. Oh, mate, that is amazing, isn't it? It's yeah. genius. I think I'm Alan Partridge, especially series one, is perfect. Just Oh, it's genius. Just, it? Did you watch your trip? I went to Rome with my wife and we our hotel was by the... Uh, by the cemetery where they go to um, to see right. the poets where they're buried and uh-huh. I don't know if I should say this but we stood over the grave quoting Rob Ryder and <laughs> Steve Coogan going Don't do the broken voice but it gets very emotional but it gets very emotional indeed she was only 16 years old <laughs> <laughs> Amazing man yeah. see their, their impressions are unbelievable the Mike, the Mike Jagger and the, the Michael Caine it's just so good man yeah. love it who was the uh, best player you played alongside and against? Best player I played alongside at Swindon? Yeah. Oh, wait, actually, no, let's, let's go with across your career. Across my career, OK. I'm not going to count Celtic because never played enough for Celtic. I was on the bench, but never played, so I wouldn't count Celtic. You know who was brilliant? And I'll tell you this, I went to Portsmouth and there was a guy there called David Conley. Do you remember him? Striker. Yeah, I, Republic of wow. Ireland. Well, he played for Oxford, so I, I can't get too excited. But yeah, Republic oh, of Ireland. Oh, right, Ireland. did he, right? And was that after <laughs> Portsmouth? Um, yeah, I think it was his last club was uh, Oxford. Yeah. Oh, was it? What a player he is, by the mm. What a player, honestly. He was brilliant. Nicky Shorey at Portsmouth, what a player he was at Reading. Mm. Remember Nicky Shorey, the left back? Yeah, he played for England. Played yeah. for England. He was a top player, by the mm. Um His legs had gone by then, but on the ball, he was r- ridiculous. But I need, I need to say Charlie, Austin. Yeah. As I say, he was an absolute monster. For no being big and wide, and he, he, he was just, I don't know if it was wiry or what he was, but he was just fearless he was you know for a guy coming from pool town mm. he was just brilliant in there he could wrap the ball on him and he would get a hold of it 
and he just he, he just always scored, you know. Even in training, he just leathered the boy. He never, never ever see Charlie side foot it. He just leathers it so hard. And I think that playoff season had Charlie know I joined. I couldn't have seen us finishing where we did, to be honest. Um, and you know, to to make a big difference in a team, a painter, Douglas, Danny Ward, JP, Alan Sheen was a good player in that team, but. Charlie was a star in that team for me, uh, so I would need to say I would need to say Charlie would probably, would probably be the best that I've played. There. What about the best players you played against, both because of their ability and also because you know they would kick lumps out. Uh, okay, so the best uh, Miles Adam Lallana when he was at Southampton, he was a, an absolute joy to watch, man. Even playing against him, it was a joy. Mm-hmm. It was so effortless. He'd send me for I think he sent me for about five hot dogs in one game. <laughs> um, he was brilliant. Physical wise, I actually I played my my debut first one. It was against Southend, and uh, up in midfield against Alan McCormick, <laughs> and all he did was kick, nip, bite, slaughter us. I think I got man of the match that day, but he was in my ear constantly telling us, oh, "You're shit. You need to go back to the like reserves. All you do is pass. You're not going to pass it forward. You're just going to keep passing it sideways. You're just going to keep passing it sideways." He was just in my ear for nine minutes and constantly. Um, so Maka would be up there. Uh, and also Josie Samido man oh mm-hmm. my god battering man he just used to elbow you all the time <laughs> he would have the ball usually an elbow is like off the ball but he'd elbow you even when he had the ball mm-hmm. he just loved elbowing people man uh, so Samido or McCormick for the physical and then for the pure joy of playing against them Adam Lallana was was beautiful on the ball and due to their conduct which opposition manager have you observed and thought to yourself, oh, I'm not keen and I would never sign for you in a million years. Oh, 100% Steve Evans. Remember any times at Crawley? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I remember uh, we used to play head tennis. Uh, we had a head tennis court just in the, the gym. Uh, so we'd play there quite late after training. And uh, I remember going through the gym and the canny was punching the punch bag and he shot his shit and, Simon, we do this to Steve Evans on Saturday and he starts leathering the bag. I think they two had a bit of a thing, didn't they? Yes, they did. Uh, but, uh, oh, he was just... I think he always tried to make it that Crawley were a better team than us, which was nonsense. Um, I think he always... I think we used to get told by the manager that he'd always blame the ref and say that they were a the better team. But I think we beat them every time we played them. But um, uh, he was annoyed. He never shut up on the side. The funniest, by a mile, is that Alan, uh, Martin Allen. Mm. Martin Allen was amazing. That was that year I was kind of bombed. For, it was Darry Wilson and then Paul Hart, obviously. But we played uh, Notts County and I was on the bench, so I was just mesmerised by Martin Allen. Uh, the boy called John Spicer playing centre midfield. Mm-hmm. And he just hounded them for 90 minutes. And I think John Spicer got the ball and passed it back. And uh, Martin Allen shouts, Spicer! We are playing that way. It's that just a big point towards to our goal. <laughs> he tell that Rochdale was always good value. Funny guy. I remember I was on the bench again. I think it was the same season. Uh, this shows you how much I concentrate on the football when I'm on the bench. I'm watching their managers. But the ball gets played through to their striker. I can't remember who it was. I would tell you if I did. Um, Keith Hill turns and looks at our bench. and went, don't worry, lads, you'll miss. And... <laughs> Quite right enough, but he had it past the post. Uh, he's like, I told you, um, just so chilled and quite funny, Keith Hill. So, Martin Allen and Keith Hill, they were they were two of the two funny ones. I think Steve Evans, the fact that he still bleaches his hair is the is the bit where from the very before he even opens his mouth, you're like, what are uh, you doing? Uh? 
And is, does he wear eyeliner? Am I, am I right it looks like does it, he, doesn't it? It, it looks, does, doesn't it? Uh, well, he's done good. He's, done, he's had some jobs, though. He's done. No, he does. You know, he got leads. I mean, it right, didn't last he? long, but he's doing all right at Peterborough. And I think he must have a very good interview technique. I think he's a good manager as well, but it just I think he's the one that you hate until he he manages your club and then uh, if he gets results then you know you kind of I don't. think he probably he wanted to be the main man and obviously probably felt a bit that Decaney was obviously getting all the plaudits and I think he always used to say that all oh, you all you care about is Decaney and Swindon and so he's ever talk about so why don't you just go and talk about them I think mm. quite bitter but um uh, he would be the one that I think as a whole team we all kind of wanted to beat his teams all the time uh, and it was actually spoke about you know we need to beat no no this team we need to beat this guy so he would probably be the one uh, Graham Turner was like that at Shrewsbury I think or Shrewsbury for a little bit as well where he he had something in for Swindon I think he was you know but because they were going for they were going for the league that's right yeah Yeah. Uh, James Collins was playing for them that's right because uh, they were beating us one at the county ground weren't they and I think we turned it around quickly and beat them 2-1 that was kind of the way might the turning point I remember that yeah yeah might have had a, like a, a referee decision go our way or something like that I don't know but that uh, was right so yeah. it was uh, and he had the hump right okay uh, but he was <laughs> he was nah, he was not a bad guy was he him he was no. quite a, a nice guy uh, but just something about Swindon that riled him uh. yeah. who was the Oxford manager when I was there uh, it was being Wilder I imagine oh so it was Wilder yeah. uh, so mm. it was uh, he was actually, I didn't mind well he tried to take me to Northampton actually so yeah uh, he's, done, he's done great hasn't he yeah. play, uh, he's done really well now Ferry to the byline Demita they have turned it around Simon Ferry to the byline and he had the presence of mind to pick out Rafael Demita so Peter Head how, um, are you still enjoying it how many seasons do you think you've got left in the tank I do enjoy it I really do enjoy it um, because a great set of lads uh, obviously, as you'll know, uh, dressing room's so important to me. Yeah. I, the, it's a lot of young boys up there, and they're full of life. So, really enjoy it. The managers—I've known the manager since I was 15 years old. I think I've probably mentioned it to you before. So, he—he he, he lets me have quite a big say and stuff like that. So, I, I'm enjoying it. Um, I'll play for as long as I can because why not? Eh? What else are you going to do on a Saturday? 31 next month, actually. Scary thought, isn't it? 31. Fuck. Mm, but um, 35. So. <laughs> Are you 35? Yeah, 35, yeah. I'm beginning to think uh, that professional contract's not going to come my way. <laughs> you look you look about 40, that's the thing. I only, I still look 21, you know what I mean? It's a fair point. <laughs> Do you watch... But as long as I can, that's the answer. As long as I can. Yeah. As I say, still seeing JP playing at, what, 30? I think he's 37, 38, which is absolutely nuts. And he actually runs a bit more now than he did when he played for us, so fair play to him. <laughs> Do you get to watch Celtic in uh, Scotland that often because I know you talk about trying to go as much as you can and Saturdays are a write-off but Celtic tend to play a lot on Sundays do you get to go and watch them? I don't really to be honest mm-hmm. uh, because Sunday's a coach so the whole weekend's taken up uh, what I do there is with my kid any midweek game that's on and I'm free I, can, I try and take up as much football as I can so my old story got his tickets for Patrick Thistle last month um, it was really bad rain up here and I think Patrick Thistle was the only game that had that it survived the weather. It was Mayo's story. He was playing for Patrick Thistle, as I mentioned, against Dundee United. So uh, I gave him a wee message on Instagram, and me and my boy went to watch him playing for Thistle against Dundee United. So any game, um, I'll try and get to, especially for my kid, because I think, you know, I was brought up going to football. So mm. I'm trying to just try to show my kid that football is not just about on the telly; it's about going and 
watching your fair amount of shite as well as the superstars on the telly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is, where do you keep your... That wasn't about Miles, by the way. No, no, no. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's doing all right. It's, it's a shame he went down a level, but he's doing okay. He scored He scored. He scored a couple of weeks ago, so hopefully that'll kick him on. As I say, the manager, Gaz, Caldwell's not a mate, but I played with him and I've interviewed him. He's a good guy. I think he'll be good for Miles, so I'd like to see him do well because he's a good kid, Miles. Always had a bit of time for him. Next question is, where do you keep your Scottish youth caps? I don't keep any, honestly. I don't even have I don't even have my League 2 med on. It's t- terrible to say, isn't it? I think you're the most disorganised man you've ever met in your life and that times that by 100 and that's me. I couldn't tell you where anything is, honestly. Which is terrible, isn't it? Because when I look back, I'm going to regret it, but... Well, hopefully just heads up, Mars. Uh, <laughs> terrible. My wee boy always asks to see stuff and I've not got anything. I've actually got nothing for him. A Swindon fan asks us for a top. Didn't have any tops or anything, which is terrible. Mm. Regret that. Uh, I wish I still had that. I do not know where that medal is. Do we get a medal for the playoffs now? Um, you might have got a runner-up. Runner I don't know. Um, I don't. Uh, want, I mean, it's not one well. that you would want, but the uh, the League Two one. Well, get looking. I'm I know, sure I've got a shirt for the League Two winning team either, which is terrible. I'm actually devastated now. But when I was a wee guy, I think it was cool to be. Disorder, like your head like you didn't care and stuff like that and yeah. I probably gave it to so I, 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 it could be a possibility I've gave that to a fan yeah um, because I, I can't find it anywhere so somebody in Swindon give me that back if I've gave you a drunk or that on a Saturday night <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a pill for you <laughs> cheers uh, <laughs> what would your reaction be if the old firm clubs joined Cardiff, Swansea, Newport, Wrexham Colwyn Bay and Merthyr as non-English teams within the England or English football system? Uh, so essentially, should the old firm move to England? See, these sort of questions, I actually am... The, this is what I get asked to go on radio and stuff like that, and I can't do it because see this sort of question. <laughs> like, I fuck knows. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. I, I mean, couldn't really care less. <laughs> If they if they moved, I wouldn't be outraged. I think it would be. I think they would be brilliant in England. If in my right. honest opinion, I think I would. I mean, most football fans would love a trip to Glasgow. I think from right. that. I think from the political but that's got side. Glasgow's not a football. You'd no, love exactly. Right <laughs> well, exactly. But you know, I mean, Parkhead, South Park, Ibrox are iconic British stadiums. So even right. from a football experience, it would be good. But politically. Oh boy, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's right, right But uh, Luke Rooney actually, he's going to come up soon to, to a game. So I think quite like yourselves, I think quite a lot of the players would love, love it as well, you know, to yeah. come up and play at Celtic Park and at Ibrox, because they are great stadiums, honestly, and the atmosphere at the games are great, but mm. I don't think it'll ever happen, to be honest. Yeah. Do you? No, not at all. Um, I think, nah. I just, I don't think a Scottish team would want to win without them in there I mean the Celtic aren't exactly running away with it this year are they so nah it's um, tight this year it's, yeah it's good to see <laughs> Kilmarnock and uh, and Livingston even playing well with De Vita, even though he's he's injured and, and by the way sorry sorry to interrupt you as yeah. well but there's one that I definitely still speak to and very good player De Vita. sorry I can't believe I forgot him no, that's he's okay. absolute gentleman the one nicest the man I've ever spoken to I think oh, football man, ways, he, absolutely as you say mate nicest guy in the world didn't he yeah Absolutely. And by the way, very good football player. Yeah. Technically, Rafa was great. He's probably the best I've seen at Swindon with two-footed. He can kick the ball just as well with his left as he could with his right, Rafa. I think what what I like about, or what I liked about speaking to Rafa is there's a guy who's still playing that is still just 
so happy to be a professional footballer. He doesn't he doesn't care yeah. about like how big the level is. He's just he's he's looking around going I've had a decade plus in professional football and uh, mm-hmm. he's happy with that. Uh, he's very grateful for for he, for what he's got, isn't he? Mm, absolutely. He's got a lovely way about him. He actually stayed with me and um, so when I, he signed I'd been there for a year on loan. So Paul Caddis came and me and Paul Caddis lived in a service apartment across on the main street just yeah. up to the jury's in yeah. you know the service apartment mm-hmm. uh, so me and my missus came down and Kaz was down on his own his missus was still up in Glasgow so uh, I had a, the room on the top floor and Kaz was underneath us and there would be like a living room and a kitchen obviously so every night Kaz would go to the kitchen to make food at like half ten and every night I would wait just right outside the kitchen my missus would be up watching and just as he came into the kitchen I'd, I'd flag him and he shit himself. Uh, anyway, that's a different story. But so then he got a house. We couldn't find the house yet, so we went and lived with Cads and his wife was done. And uh, me and my wife moved in with them instead of living in the service apartment. He says, "Why don't you just come and live with us?" So then Rafa joined and Matia. They came over and had nowhere to live. I think they were in a hotel, and I think it was eating at their relocation money. So they came and lived with us for a month. No, so two weeks maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a three bedroom house and there was six of us and uh, <laughs> Matty I couldn't speak a word of English but Rafa used to make us dinner and he's by the way you need to get him to cook you some food he is the best cook you've ever seen his risotto is magnificent absolutely magnificent but no they were great days because obviously he just came over and young kid and he was uh, a top man absolute top man what's your favourite derby outside the old firm my favourite derby outside the old firm wow Um Oh, it's got to be Boca and River. Do you see that? Oh, my Nonsense. goodness. Chaos. <laughs> Absolute chaos. I know. Chaos. You, think, you think we're passionate about football, and then that is a different level, man. Yeah, I think that one uh, sort of stopped the debate to a degree, didn't it, about how fans maybe maybe take it uh-huh. too, too seriously, perhaps. That's the daddy. I would love to go to that, but oh, I'm going to try and get to one of them. It would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Oh, uh, definitely. Crazy. It's got yeah. to be that. And then Swindon and Oxford after yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you know, up until about 10 years ago, I'd agree with you. <laughs> oh, right, we're going to move. Okay, I know we never won one, did we? No, we, every time. we we haven't beat them since. Or Steve Robinson scored a couple in about two thousand and one, two time. Yeah, we we got Gosh. we got a penalty shootout win over them, but they. I don't want to go into it. <laughs> but they did Oxford win League Two or did they go up through the playoffs? They, they didn't win. They haven't won a trophy in years and years and years. I don't think they oh, came. Well, that's what matters, isn't second, it? Third. That's what that's what history is about. Yeah, exactly. Richie, he's hit it and he's deflected, and Swindon Town have the lead. We're going to take a little break from football now because I received several questions for you relating to your tastes in fashion and music so here we go so you used to have a online store called haven't got a stitch to wear um yeah do you still have it who influences your clobber not my word and what is was the best takedown about your clobber from a teammate right so what is that so we'll go through it so so the the first one this is all from the same person um Uh so haven't got a stitch to wear how long no i don't have it anymore no uh because I was doing so well by the way, we were doing really well. Uh, as I say, all the Melksham and Sirencester, mm. we used to get like uh, Russell and Bromley shoes, we'd buy them for like a five and I would sell them for like 40 quid. But in fact, it could be fraud actually, so I, I'm not even too sure anyway. We'll forget about that. But um, I used to buy stuff and uh, Callum Kennedy would buy a lot. He was trying to go through a wee vintage stage where he thought he was cool, but he was far too pretty to wear vintage clothes. 
but we had to stop it because once I had the kid, he was a horrible wee kid. He wouldn't stop crying, so couldn't take him in the shops or that because he was just crying all the time. So he's the reason that I'm not a millionaire through a fashion <laughs> label. So still hate him to this day for it. I just love the fact that you go into places like Melksham, I imagine Trowbridge, Westbury, those sort of areas going through uh-huh. here. <laughs> what was the other one? Uh, Dwee Dick, the physio, you still live in it? Dick it's Mackey. Really nice. uh-huh. So it's uh, Melksham, it wasn't Melksham, it wasn't Sirencester. Yeah. It was the other way, to what other opposite way of Sirencester. Well known, nice, lovely place. Oh, fuck. So we've got places in Wiltshire, yeah? Yeah. So Wooten Bassett. Uh, That's it, Wooten Bassett. Wooten Bassett's nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. So we used to go there quite a bit as well. So we'd always go to a vintage shop and then we'd go for something to eat. It was, it was brilliant, uh-huh, really good. The vintage stuff's brilliant around there, you should check it out. If you could go back in time and see one band in their pomp, so we're in music now, uh, which band would it be? Oh, that is a tough question. You can, you can shortlist all of these, you can shortlist. Uh-huh. Well, I've seen two of my favourite bands are. Fleetwood Mac, which I've seen twice, and um, the Beautiful South, which I've seen as well. So, dead. Uh, oh, cannot think. Uh, dead. I would like to have seen David Bowie. I'd really like to have seen David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Just so cool, wasn't he? Just changed all the time, and he was his music brilliant. I love David Bowie. I'm trying to think who else I, I would like to see. I had to say David Bowie. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, I should have actually flicked through my music collection to see who this is. In fact, I've got my vinyls here. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone in it that I've not? Seen, I've seen quite a lot of the bands that I, that I really like. ELO, by the way, I would love to see them. I think they did Glastonbury. Oh, they, uh, they did Glastonbury, didn't they? ELO recently, or Jeff Lynn. Oh, I'll tell you who I'd love to see. Mm-hmm. James Taylor. I'd love to see James Taylor. I know he's still alive, but um, yeah, he's still alive. Yeah. My, we've got a thing with him and Carol King uh, live at the Troubadour. Have you ever seen it? Have you got a chance to see that? Carol King and James Taylor live at the Troubadour. It is. It's unbelievable. Certainly will. There you go. I had James Taylor. Yeah. I used to be a James Taylor fan as well. She loves him. Who, uh, I mean, the question is, who is your favourite Rebs singer? Which Rebs, I don't know what that means, but I don't know if that's Irish Rebellion, Rebel music. Uh, Irish Rebellion songs, yeah. I, no, I don't know what to talk about that. <laughs> I'll get to jail. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, I don't want that, I don't think. Um, what's your favourite Smith song? Favourite Smith, well, I've got this charming man tattooed on my chest. It's quite cliche, isn't it? But um, I love Panic as well, Panic's brilliant. Um, uh, Panic, I would say. Uh, away for this chairman. This chairman man is my favourite song of all time, but uh, Panic would be my, my second one. Uh-huh. This chairman man was played at my wedding, and I just remember my stepdad, who's from Edinburgh, just doing uh-huh. the uh, you know when he had the flowers on top of the pops and just spinning it yeah. around. He he had my wife's bouquet, and he was doing that. And I think he was quite embarrassed <laughs> retrospectively. He sounds like a great guy. Yeah, yeah, well he is, but <laughs> but yeah. Him in the rolling donkey. Get him, get it sorted. Oh, he'd be more than happy. Uh, By the way, have you, have you been in the, road, the jukebox in the Ron Donkey? No, tell me. Amazing, very good. Mm-hmm. Great jukebox, the jam, all that sort of stuff, really good. I used to love going in there. My father-in-law's a big music fan as well, so every time he used to come down to Swindon, we'd always make a point of going to the Ron Donkey for a pint and a wee listen to the jukebox. Other than what you've already mentioned, what what other bands have you seen which you've which you've loved? Uh, oh, who else have I seen? Fleetwood Mac were unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. So we might have seen them like two years ago. So they're old guys, and obviously Stevie Nicks and mm-hmm. uh, Lindsay Buckingham. But they were absolutely. I've never. I think the tickets were really expensive, yeah. but easily the best money I've ever spent. Um, who else have I seen that I really enjoyed? 
Oh, do you know what I used to love my well, not my pals, but I kind of grew up with the view. I used to come down to England and we'd be in Swindon, so we'd go we'd travel to places like Birmingham and that. Every time we came down, we'd go and see them. So was that same James? I used to, the view. Sorry. The view was that. Was that the view? Was that same jeans? Yeah. Same jeans and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, so it was great, you know, just to see that they were travelling all the country. I was doing South playing football, so it was great to see them um, in venues in Birmingham and where else did we see them? I think we seen them in Bristol as well. I, yeah, I've got a really bad memory about gigs that I've seen. I've seen Miles Kane in, uh, in Portsmouth. I Swindon wasn't a big one for gigs, no, it, wasn't no, it? No, was it? Is it the Wyvern? Yeah, and the, it was the Oasis, wasn't it? The, the Wyvern was the theatre, but I think most of whatever half-decent went to the Oasis. I've seen somebody in the Oasis, somebody good, and I cannot remember who it is. My wife will know because she, she remembers stuff like this, but yeah. she's not in just now. We, I, 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 me and her went to a gig in the Oasis, and I cannot remember who it is. Oh, that's a pity. That's all right. What are your favourite um, music venues? The Barrowlands in Glasgow, if you mm. ever get a chance to come up, is, is unbelievable. It is absolutely jumping. So there's a guy in Glasgow now who, not got quite pally, but I speak to him. Uh, Jerry Cinnamon he's called he's massive in Glasgow now um, and he got me and my pal two tickets to go and see him at the Barrowlands um, oh, it was one of the best gigs I've been at it was absolutely jumping absolutely jumping that was really good uh, who else have I seen it? I've seen somebody else at the, Liam Gallagher I've seen at the Barrowlands it was unbelievable um, really good um, I think I've got a bad memory I'll, I'll tell you who else I'd love to see James yeah you know the yeah, band James I'd love down, to see yeah. James uh, yeah. Yeah. But somebody told me it's about a drugs fest, so I kind of stay away from it. Uh, not too sure, but it's got I, you know he's good pals with Gordon Strachan, the lead singer. <laughs> really? Uh, they're they're really good pals. Him, uh, James, and Rod Stewart are, are good pals. So I'd like to see James. Uh, I think it'll be a, a really good gig to see. Uh, my memory is very bad uh, with stuff like this. Well, it's a shame because um, the next question is, what was the first album you ever bought? I know mine. Uh, what was yours? <laughs> mine was MC Hammer. Please, Hammer, don't hurt. Oh no. No regrets. Were you in it that way? Um, I was, what was that, 1990, so I was about six, in fairness. Uh-huh. But, um, but to answer <laughs> your question... Why not MC Hammer? Why not, man? Why not? Did you shake your arse listening to it? I did, I, did, I did all the moves, uh-huh. I think. I, I think uh, the funny thing is, I, I used to say, and it was, I think, second, I had uh, Nevermind by Nirvana, but the reality is, it's Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him by, uh, uh-huh. by MC <laughs> I think... Uh, <laughs> I think the first album I ever got was uh, a Stevie Wonder album, actually, because ah. my mum's big on music, and uh, she loved Stevie Wonder, and I remember she played it and asked her if she could get me one. So I'd maybe, t- in fact, it was, uh, it'd have been definitely maybe as well, that'd have been up there. Uh, definitely maybe, or Stevie Wonder, I think, was the first one. What else have I got here? Blondie, I've got, I'd like to see Blondie as well, mm. just because she's gorgeous as well. Simon and Garfunkel, The Verve. The Verve, there you go. I'd love to go and see The Verve. I wish I'd seen Richard Ashcroft back in the day. Yeah, he's touring um, again, isn't he? He's formed again, but I, I wouldn't be as, be as good now, will it? I think I remember him getting arrested in Chippenham, weirdly. Um, Did he? Like, about a decade I wish ago. I, was, I wish I was with him to get arrested with him. That would be such a... It's a, it's, a bizarre, story, it's a bizarre story. I'll send you the link, but it's absolutely... Oh, it's a mental story, if, if, if what I remember is true. He like turns up at a rec centre... And causes all sorts of craziness. It's, it's really, really odd. I, I, I swear that happened. I'll, I'll look it out. And send send me that. I, mean, I want to read that. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but I like a lot of soap, Motown and Soul stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, it's more compilation albums I've got for that. Yeah. But um, 
Oh, every hit is brilliant, isn't it? You can't beat it. Every Saturday night, me and my wife will have a few drinks and stick the old record player on it. Your rhythmics as well. Annie Lennox, by the way. Here's one I'd love to see, yeah. Annie Lennox. I'm not a music, music snob. Oh, I'm the same as well, mate. Yeah. I'm the same. I like uh, some of the shite as well, some of the cheesy pop stuff and that as well. Mm. But, um, hey, can't beat it, eh? No, absolutely. you covered Swindon. Oh, in Ooh. fact, sorry, if I could see anyone here, you go. I've just thought... Yeah. Uh, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons love it I'm pro- I think it is quite cheesy actually but I don't care I absolutely love them yeah, you like the Je- Jersey Boys and that Frankie I haven't Valley, seen I haven't it. seen Jersey Boys but I'm you know, aware of the, Mate, the music blow your mind. I love the fact that Joe Pesci is a character in it because he was kicking about with them at the time wasn't he, <laughs> he was just... Mate, he used to drive them a bit yeah. he was a driver <laughs> unbelievable and Joe then they Pesci. lost all their money and then they ended up driving a bit for him when he was a Hollywood star but what are your favourite um, bars and pubs in, in Glasgow Bars and pubs. I was I was actually out yesterday uh, in Glasgow. Uh, so, is it real? Have you ever anyone's ever come up to Glasgow now? There's a place called Finiston that used to be an absolute shithole, but it's now. Uh, is that my wife t- says this word all the time, man? Is it gent? Is that the right word? Gentrified. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so it's so cool now. They've got loads of great bars. Um, and the the new uh, SEC. No, what's it called? The Hydro. Sorry, it's right across the road. Fit. So it's great if you're going to a gig and then you can go for some eat and then it's just a. Short walk over the wee, wee rail bridge and you're at the, the hydro, so that's a really cool place to go just now, Finiston, but uh, bars like the Drake and there's a new place, an old place, sorry, called Max's in, in Glasgow City Centre, and if you ever get a chance to come over go to Max's, it's it's some place. Mm. Um, so probably Max's and the Drake would be two of my favourites, huh? Nice. Okay, there's a place called, as well, sorry, if you want karaoke on a Sunday night, the Horseshoe Bar is legendary in Glasgow. Um, it's like locals that go every Sunday without fear and they'll sing the same song every Sunday and I will boo them every Sunday <laughs> <laughs> that is a mad League One let's wrap this up though so what's the cheekiest thing you've got away with that perhaps to this day people don't realise the cheekiest thing. Yeah, maybe. I it. don't know. I, I, do you know what? Everything I seem today, I would get caught for man. <laughs> I mean, every time I went out, I'd, the manager would pull me in, and I'd get, I'd get caught. There was a couple of times where we'd be out and we'd need to hide behind people because we seen them checking in the windows. So I got away with that. That was quite cheeky to get away with. Um, but obviously, the one, the worst was when we went out and uh, was it? We we're playing alter shot on the Tuesday to win the league. Mm. And we got caught. Have you heard this story? I've told this on my podcast before. I'm not sure whether you said it with me, but I've definitely heard you say it on your podcast. The one about Fabrizio or her? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, 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 have you once heard that then? Uh-huh. Well, go for it, man. Uh-huh. It was funny anyway. So, yeah. as I say, we went out on the I think we beat somebody on the Saturday and we only needed to beat Aldershot to win the league or to be promoted or whatever it was. So, I think he was going back to Italy. Um, and he says, please, lads, no one go out Saturday night. Uh, we need to recover for Tuesday. Me and a couple of other boys like that. The league's done, man. We've squished the league. We'll beat, we'll beat Aldershot on Tuesday. Come on, we'll go out for a bit Saturday night. So stupid now you think about it. A madman's telling you to go out and you decide to go out. But uh, anyway, so... I didn't think he was coming back until the Tuesday. He was off on the Monday, so we went on the Monday. If I beat you, it was fine with us. We thought, ah, fine. No, no, no one knows where we're at. It's fine. Um, Tuesday, we meet at the county ground to travel Aldershot. And he is fuming, man. His face is bright red, and I'm thinking, he knows. But then he breaks into laughter, and he's doing a wee bit. So I turn to other boys, like, he doesn't know. Yes. 
and then it was just wee hangs on the bus it was quite funny because on the way to the bus if he turned around and looked back at us I'd be like he knows but then two I think two or three of us weren't in the starting lineup, but the other three were and they were saying well he must know because he's on the plane and we were saying but if he knew we were out they wouldn't be they would be on the bench as well so he doesn't know and then again on the bench like just looking at us oh he knows or he was laughing at us then he doesn't know but then after the game that's the worst I've ever seen him he absolutely cracked up man I mean older shot I've got like the the thickest walls I've ever seen so hot like so sore of you and he, I think he punched it and his, his watch came pinging off and he went through us all individually absolutely slaughtered us but he's like these guys they think they're superstars oh I go out I get drunk with with the, the with the poison oh look at me I play for Swindon Town you know the way he would do it you could you could laugh but if he did he would kill you but his parting shot was Fabrizio put the music on let them dance <laughs> and he walked to the dressing room and we were all just looking at each other thinking what have we done but um, uh, as I say I never get away with anything I always get caught so no I wouldn't say anything cheeky that I've, I've not been pulled up for <laughs> have you stripped down to your underwear in celebration since the famous scenes of the League 2 Championship in 2012 I have not I have not it's the best things. I wish I have because it's so it's such a good feeling. But I've told I told you that story as well. He was running about shouting to us, "Don't get the don't get your I think it was penis." He said, <laughs> "What?" So we're trying. He's chasing me about the pitch, shouting that, "Don't get your penis out," um, which was really funny. Uh, but no, nah, I've never done it again. No, but I'd advise anyone if you ever win a league to do it because it's it's good and they'll always remember it. I did get one question in relation to makeup, a listener said they were once sat in the stands and you must have been injured or something and they saw you applying makeup. Is this true? Makeup? <laughs> at a game or? At a game at the county ground, yeah. No, it wasn't makeup. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. I know I'm ugly, but fuck, I'm not, I'm not that ugly that I need to put makeup on. What, no, I can't imagine that. What advice would you give your younger self? Just to calm down, basically. I don't know, I just... Uh, maybe screw the head sometimes then I always try and be the stupid one but um, like if, that's the way, if that's the person you are and that's the person you are there's not mm. much you can do about it you know if you like to be if you like to have a laugh and you like to have a good time you know it's led into different things outside of football so if I was serious and the head screwed on all the time then I probably wouldn't have got the open goal thing so maybe in one line it doesn't work but another manager does like it so see the thing is I've always been myself and I've, all, I've never one thing I like about myself, I've never been an arse licker. I've never done what managers have just said because I think it's because I want to please them. I've kind of always tried to be my own guy and done what I liked and what I thought was funny. And I, I, I love it. The best thing about football is the, the guys you meet in the dressing room. And I absolutely loved that. Mm. Um, but uh, probably, I think, maybe not be so serious, but just not doing stupid things like going on a Saturday night when you shouldn't have. Which, looking back, I'm disappointed in myself actually that I've done that because... Like you say, there's fans, I realise now, being a fan, there's fans that pay money and all that, and you get paid well for what you do, and, you know, it's kind of taking a piss, you're out on a Saturday night, and you've got a game on a Tuesday where you should probably wait, what is it to wait, an extra week to go out, um, so probably stuff like that I would I would do differently, I'd probably be a bit, bit I'd be a better professional 100%, you know, I tell the kids that I'm coaching now. Mm. 
I think was no good. Uh, I think, um, and I said this in the last episode. I think what what helped you from the very off is when we when we have new signings in the lower leagues. You just get this. Well, you know, it's a great club. It's a massive club. I'm happy to be here. Just want to play well. Do something for the boys. Mm-hmm. We go again. But when you when you did your first interview, you were like, well, you're not going to shut me up. And I don't know if it comes from the clubs or where, but I know it's an old cliche. There's no more characters in the game anymore, but. As I say to you, every dressing room I had at Swindon, the, the place was full. I mean, people think I was just the joker, but it was honestly, there was tens of them through my time at Swindon in their own way. Mm. Um, I maybe done it more publicly uh, in interviews and stuff like that, but I wish that I wish that there was more more of it these days because, as I say, it's the best time of your life being in a dressing room, but when you're having a good time and everyone gets on and it's a laugh every day, there's just no any other environment like it. Um and that's what I miss, mate. It's not about playing in front of big crowds that I miss. It's, it's being in a dressing room every day with, with good guys who, obviously, you're playing football, which you all love, but you're, you're together all the time. And it's, it's it's great to have, honestly. See, when you look back and think of the times you've had with these people and, you know, playing at Wembley and then going out in London after it, and it's just it's surreal, you know. Yeah. It is. It's, it's um, definitely... The, my time at Swindon, I've said it before on here, it's, it was the, be- the best time of my life, definitely. It's time for the final question. Yeah, go for it. Can you do an English or Wiltshire accent? I think my my wife's so good at a Swindon accent. She does it all the time. She still t- she, she used to say when we used to play Southampton, she always remembers there was a guy sitting next to her. And for 90 minutes, he just screamed, Where's your Pardew gone? Where's your Pardew gone? Because I think Alan Pardew had just left him. Um, so she's great at that. But... Um, no, if you can just tell, I'm terrible at this London accent. But uh, oh, what was the other one about my wife? My wife used to meet football Phil in the in the chippy after a game because I, I said we walk up the road and football Phil would always be in that chippy across the roundabout. Yeah, and she was genuinely baffled that his accent even existed because it wasn't even Swindon. It was like wow, 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 and she just can't believe it. Somebody would speak like that. So was it? Do you know the other wee guy that? Phil hangs a bit with. Oh, I, I, I know of him, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, but, so we, uh, we, we, we were always really nice because, as I say, we'd meet, see them in the chip and we'd get a wee chat and Phil would always come to the car before games and we'd have a chat. I remember one time my missus cut him up on the roundabout, Phil's pal, and the two of them were in the car. And I didn't even think they realised it was us that was cutting them up and the both of them just looked at us and <laughs> gave us the finger. <laughs> Football Phil has given you the finger. Football phone and his mate in the car because we'd cut him up on the round but I didn't even think they looked to see what it would be they just both of them turned straight away and came. <laughs> it was, it was uh, such a surreal moment but even wow. guys they were, they were brilliant brilliant guys and what a place to end it Simon it's been a pleasure thank you very much thanks very much mate any time alright Below Strangers is an independent Swindon Town fan podcast. The music was expertly created by Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by the super talented John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hello, Swindon.
<laughs> Do you imagine the people it's listening to this right now going, they've forgotten this is recording, haven't they? What <laughs> <laughs> you will. <laughs> um, you make it go even weirder. Oh man, I, well, it's not even weird at the Where's moment, oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I hope she's it. <laughs> no, she's in the other room. It's all right. Uh, right okay. Uh, <laughs> And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.